Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Rasick. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clear the Shelf podcast. As always, I am joined by my convivial co-host, Chris Rasick, and uh, this week we're going to be discussing Keepa again. Keepa is, it's, it's arguably the backbone of any Amazon business, or at least arbitrage and wholesale businesses. Uh, it can also be a bit of a bear to understand. Uh, you know, there's so much to it. Uh, which is the reason we created Keepa Academy, if you'll forgive the uh, the shameless plug. Uh, but what we want to do today is we kind of want to answer the questions that you people have, and we want to try to shed a little bit more light on the areas where of Keepa where people get confused, uh, because there there's a lot more to it than what meets the eye. Uh, a lot of people just see the graphs and the charts, uh, and they never go any further. But there's just there's so many layers to the onion that is Keepa, and we're going to try to peel those back uh, with as few tears as possible today. So before we do that, we should discuss a little news of the week, and uh, it's it's December 5th when we're recording this, so it's not too... Actually, a little side note for, for those of you who uh, uh, may be interested in this, uh, December 5th is the night of Krampus. I don't know if you knew that, Chris. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I got I got my guts in a bag right behind me, just, just nice. off camera. It's the night the night that Dwight Schrute uh, comes into everyone's home <laughs> and uh, and yeah, takes the the naughty kids. But uh, no, we're not we're not too far removed from Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the uh, the five day festival of consumerism. Uh, and I figured we should probably go over a couple of numbers because, to be quite honest, they were better than I expected. Uh, Cyber Monday sales grew 5.8% year over year to a record $11.3 billion. Uh, now, I know that the professional prognosticators were talking about like 1% to 2% increases, uh, and most of that was going to be due to inflation. So 5.8% uh, kind of knocked everybody's socks off, and I was, I was really happy with that. I thought it was a, a pretty good number. Uh, and I know that some of that is due to inflation, but you know the other part of it is people were just ready to spend some money. Uh, for the Cyber Five, or the five-day period from Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday, e-commerce sales grew 4.4% to $35.27 billion over the course of that, that five days. So that doesn't include any... Uh, brick and mortar retail. That's just uh, just e-commerce. Cyber Week online sales by day, uh, which I, I always find this kind of interesting. On Thanksgiving Day, uh, enough people uh, ignored their families and shopped to the tune of 5.29 billion. Uh, Black Friday was 9.12 billion dollars online. Uh, the weekend was $9.5 billion, so the Saturday and Sunday after uh, Thanksgiving. And then Cyber Monday uh, pulled in that $11.3 billion, which I can't remember how long ago Cyber Monday surpassed Black Friday. 
but I don't think it's been that long, maybe three or four years that it surpassed Black Friday. But I mean, $2 billion bigger than Black Friday is a, that's a massive number. Yeah, that uh, really is. Yeah. Uh, this next, uh, this next line item, I, I noticed when I was doing my own sourcing, uh, online discounting was up significantly with the average discount in the U S being 30%. Uh, which is a massive number. I remember when 20% was kind of the norm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if 30% or, or you know, or, or numbers close to this becomes the new normal, uh, or if this is just all of the, uh, the glut of inventory that uh, was backed up and then, you know, made its way on shore was just being cleared out finally. Um, <clears throat> The categories with the highest discount included general apparel at 36%, active apparel and footwear at 25%, and general footwear at 21%. And then this next thing, this next statistic actually kind of scares me. Uh, buy now, pay later. Orders increased by 85% and 88% in dollar terms compared to the prior week. So... I don't know. I am. I think buy now, pay later is. It's an interesting concept, but I think that it is so close to that, uh, you know, errands or, or whatever those other places are where you can you know, buy now and you know, or rent to own places. I don't know. It, it feels it feels like that to me. Uh, although I haven't heard of anybody you know kicking in your door to come take the TV that you bought with Klarna or anything like that. Uh, you know, it's not like those errands guys jumping off the back of, of, uh, delivery trucks and, and repoing the stuff when you miss a payment. Uh, but what scares me is if that many people are using buy now, pay later, what happens when that bubble Im implodes? Right. You know, right. And, what, does and what is the, what is the collection method on, on, in a case of default with those things? That's a great question. I've never, yeah, just like the, uh, just like the Mac user agreement, I've never read their terms either. Uh, you know, so I would imagine there's gotta be something, uh, you know, other than just sending to collections. Uh, I mean, I would think just because essentially they really have, they have no, they have no equity in what you purchased. Uh, you know, there's no way to right. repossess it that I'm aware of. So I, I, I don't know. That's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over a, over a long term. Yeah. Uh, mobile devices accounted for 51% of sales this year. So that's the first time over 50%. I think last year was like, uh, it was either 48 or 49%. So it, it's a small tick, but it's a, it's one of those ticks that's kind of meaningful in the fact that we've got over 50% of shoppers buying from mobile devices now, which is, is crazy. It's just your grandma and me buying on a computer, uh, these days. And, and that's about it. Uh, the average selling price increased by 8% in the U S uh, I thought that was seemed to about peg the inflation numbers. So that kind of made sense to me. Uh, <clears throat> in what was the most search term, uh, is going to make for a lot of disappointing Christmases. Uh, socks 
was the most searched term with 48,976 searches. Uh, and then uh, this, this one made Amazon happy. Paid search remained the biggest driver of online sales. 28% of all total orders during Cyber Week came from some sort of paid search. We know that Amazon's paid search has grown by uh, leaps and bounds over the past couple of years. So I would imagine that uh, Andy Jassy and Jeff Bezos were high-fiving over, over those numbers. Uh, but, you know, Google, Facebook, uh, and all the other places that also have consumer-facing ads uh, probably cleaned up during Cyber Week as well. So uh, that's it. Those, that's, the, uh, that's the news in numbers this week. So uh, did you see a pretty nice uptick during Black Friday, Cyber Monday in, in sales? I did. Yeah, I kind of I rode the wave. I didn't do anything as usual. I didn't do anything strategically as far as uh, buy an inventory, um, get ready for it. But uh, yeah, it, it, nice, nice boost. Um, yeah. That's always fun. Um, I tell you, it, it was exhausting trying to figure out where to start uh, shopping through the Cyber Five. Like mm -hmm. I, there was just so much there, you know, and, and it's these and these numbers are amazing because you think about the fact that these stores you know they they try to do the um hey we love our employees you know we're going to stay closed on thanksgiving you know the, the big boys walmart and target kind of reversed that trend uh mm -hmm. to where they were they were trying to even be open on thanksgiving and and you know so they relented on that so and then i think that there's a whole lot well i know there's a whole lot of companies that are spreading out their black friday you know, I mean, you'll see people in early November saying, hey, early Black Friday deals, blah, blah, blah. So they're trying to, you know, get I think they're trying to replace that, you know, now that it's not like it's not the starting gates, you know, on a horse race or something, you know, that like you typically saw in, in you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad flicks and stuff like that, you know, where you, you bust through the doors as soon as they open. You know, we've moved away from that. And so they're trying to spread it out, you know, and, and get the same dollar amounts over a longer period of time. You know, yeah. so so to see these numbers and, and, and hear these numbers that, that you're reporting, it makes it all the more impressive, you know, knowing knowing what the stores are trying to do um, as far as what we're used to in years past. Yeah. But yeah, I I really so I don't uh, on Black Friday, I, I've never when I was a teenager, I used to go out with a family on Black Friday and it was like a big thing. Once I became an adult, I realized the error of, of our ways, and I was like, no more Black Friday for me. Uh, but this year, I did. I had to go up to two stores. I, Black Friday is the day that we put up our Christmas tree and, and all the decorations uh, and move from Thanksgiving to, to Christmas. Uh, so I had to go buy a new tree because I pulled my tree out and it was busted, uh, and I had to go get some lights from Target. There was not a line at Lowe's or Target when I went, uh, which I was pleasantly surprised by. Um, unfortunately, the opportunity for me to deck somebody trying to take the, the last thing I was looking for, uh, I also missed. So, you know, it has its ups and its, and its downs. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was very different, uh, a lot less people-y at the stores on Black Friday, uh, which is good for me. But, <clears throat> yeah. Very, very interesting. So, and I, I honestly, I like what the, I like them spreading it out a little bit. Like, I, I don't think anybody should should have to be up at you know three thirty in the morning to 
to go get a deal on something, uh, you know, and it probably probably makes their employees a lot happier to not necessarily have to deal with the throng of of uh, people trying to get in to get the uh, the TV they want on sale. Yeah, it, it makes sense, and and you know, there's a lot of information coming out. You know, the, the it kind of lost its luster. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it became you could easily find out. I mean, once once the word got out that companies were making special Black Friday editions of stuff, you know, like the that TV that was, you know, originally $1500 that you could pick up for 299, you know, once you found out that that was made specifically for Black Friday and it it only had one HDMI port where, you know, every other model that that company offers has at least 3 or whatever, which that's just an example, you know, but it was it was basically stripped down. I mean, they're making, you know, bare bones models and, and, uh, you know, kind of, um, we kind of saw behind the curtain, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that we know that, that stuff was artificially marked up maybe prior to, which, you know, that's, that's not specific to black Friday, you know, companies do that all the time, but, um, you know, we kind of learned the tips and tricks and, and, you know, it, it, it wasn't quite as special. And then, you know, you couple that with, um, the wave of uh, uh, employees demanding better uh, working conditions overall. Uh, yeah. It, it's uh, it almost had to go away. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think it'll be better long-term for, for, for these companies mm-hmm. um, and, and probably us and, you know, the deal seekers out there as well, you know, just uh, if you kind of spread it out and, and not make it a, a, a timing thing and, and a, you know, a luck and, and violence uh, induced shopping experience. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think it. I think it's good. I think it is good long term. Uh, can we get? Can we? Can we back up to the socks though? Yes, absolutely. That's that was the most searched term over uh, this yeah. period of time. Yeah, this was. Uh, so these numbers come from Adobe Analytics, uh, and apparently that was the most searched term. Uh, that I don't know where they get their data. Uh, because I would, I would think that, you know, AirPods or iPhone would certainly, uh, outdo that. Right. Uh, you know, but or so, like socks, socks are just, I, socks is one of those things that I don't, it doesn't feel like people actively search those out. You know, they just kind of, they just kind of appear from older relatives under the tree or something like that. And, or, you know, it's kind of like, like chip clips, you know, like, I don't, I don't think anyone in the entire world has ever bought a chip clip. They just nope. appear in the junk drawer when, when you move into a, a new home. Right. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought that those were just, they just come with houses. Yeah. Yeah. They're just kind of, you know, part of your cupboard just kind of spawns one every once in a while and replaces the one that broke. I, but yeah. Uh, but it, like the, the buy here or buy now pay later. Um, I wonder, speaking of socks, have you seen some of these premium socks? Like, uh, does, like does, bombas yeah bombas does that i mean yeah. i'm not even sure buy now pay later would cut i need like a 24 month same as cash on some of those multi-packs have you seen those things yeah yeah i so okay here's the thing i i have a problem with socks okay i i like a very specific sock <laughs> and i can't ever find them and so i have gone down and i'm also and i'm also cheap when it comes to clothes as you can tell i'm not a fashionista, uh, you know, if you're watching the YouTube video. Uh, but there are certain things that I'm very particular about. 
and socks is one. And I cannot find the sock that I like any longer. So because I'm now getting desperate and I'm down to like four pairs and I'm doing laundry all the time and I realize that eventually my dryer is going to eat the rest of these, I'm trying to find replacements. And, and I've almost pulled the trigger on things like that. And then I'm like, well, you know what? I'd rather have my family eat for the next month. Uh, than we have these socks so what uh, by the way that all the, the the foot fetish portion of our audience just turn turn the volume up <laughs> what uh, what are these characteristics of these socks what, what what does mr grant demand in his footwear okay i i like a cotton sock i don't like i don't like very much spandex or whatever else they put in socks to make them stretchy uh you know i want like i want like a I want a no-show like sock made out of the the 1982 coach coaches socks that you pull up to your knees, uh, you know that like fall down halfway halfway through the game. Uh, uh, but I want those in a no-show, okay? And you can't get that anymore. Everything's mixed with some poly cotton blend, uh, and it just irritates the heck out of me. Under Armour was one of the last companies who had like a really nice 100% cotton sock. Uh, and they moved on to a, a new poly cotton blend, and I don't care for it. Uh, and so if you've got some sock recommendations, you know, don't, please don't slide into my DMs because that's going to be weird. <laughs> you know. But I'm more than happy um, to, to, show, to take Show me a picture of your feet so I can give you a better recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh. <laughs> Oh, well, this uh, this took a turn, didn't it? Oh yeah, it did. All right, let's let's transition because <laughs> this could get bad. Let's transition to the the Q and A portion. Uh, and for those of you who are still with us, I promise uh, this will have been worth it. Uh, well, we've got we decided to take some questions from the audience. We we put some some feelers out on Twitter, some feelers out on Instagram, in some Facebook groups. Uh, and we've pulled back some of the questions that we think are probably the most helpful uh, for Amazon sellers. So Chris is gonna gonna volley a bunch of those up. I'm gonna try to smash them, uh, and then of course uh, want to get his take on on these things as well. So let's go ahead and dig into the meat portion of the uh, of the episode. Yeah, and so we'll, we'll try to uh, we'll try to in the time that we have left. How many lessons did Keep Academy end up in? Uh, Twenty six. 26 lessons but i've got i've actually got a list of videos to add things that i was like oh i forgot about that and you know oh this would be a cool example so i've probably got about 10 more videos to add i i hope that sinks in like that that's where i was like the you know the revelation like once you once you finally dig into keepa you know especially if you you know you do it for a while and and you know you're, you're dabbling and you think you got the highlights and you know but you think it's just a essentially a one or two trick pony you know and then you really dive into it you know it's it's like a you know that iceberg thing you know where you only you only see in the top of it and there's so much more to it so oh yeah but yeah we'll, we'll try to uh try to dig in a little bit deeper on here um and we got some good questions um let, let's start with this one um someone wants to know how to interpret keepographs with inconsistent data uh but a great uh rank yeah, that's a that's a good question, and this one's a little tough to answer because, um, you know, the inconsistent data comes from a couple of things. Number one, 
there are some times when Amazon just doesn't want to report sales rank on stuff. Uh, I'll, if you ever, if you ever look at a product on, on mobile, sometimes it can, it can be really difficult to find the BSR and usually it's hidden near the product details on mobile. Uh, but sometimes it's completely missing and I'll go and I'll check it on a computer and sure enough, it'll be missing on the computer as well because Amazon does report what the current BSR is on most products. Uh, so that, that happens actually fairly consistently that Amazon will just stop reporting for one reason or another. Uh, I have no idea what it is. Bezos seems to just ignore that, uh, uh, that text message. Uh, the other thing that we know is that Amazon doesn't want Keepa to gather all that data. They, they know that they can't stop Keepa, but there have been times in the past. And I would imagine even currently where uh, Amazon will try to block Keepa from scraping the data. Uh, it's actually against Amazon terms of service to scrape data off of Amazon, even though Amazon does that to other companies uh, with their own bots. Yeah. But uh, so there have been times when I've noticed that data on Keepa is messed up for one reason or another. And sometimes I do think it's, it's Amazon trying to block Keepa, but then realizing they're not going to be able to. So, what I do is I always look at other data points that you can use. So number one is the number of sellers fluctuating. That's typically a pretty good indicator that something is moving. Sellers going both up and down. If it's just up, that may be a bad sign. Uh, you know, but if sellers is going up and down, that means some sellers are selling out. Some are coming back on the listing uh, or on the listing for the first time. So there's, there's kind of a data point there that's, that shows, okay, this is probably selling. But my favorite indicator after, after that is going to be uh, frequency and recency of reviews. So if you can see that something has gotten uh, reviews recently, chances are that's from someone who has bought the item recently. I, I, you're probably not going to go and review something 90 or 180 days after you buy it. Uh, and if you add recency with frequency, so maybe it's getting two reviews every single day, that would be an indicator to me that something is selling really, really quickly. Um, and the reason I say that is the number of reviews I'm guessing is somewhere between one and 3%. I'm guessing that's about how many people leave reviews. So between one and three out of every 100 sales, they're probably leaving some sort of rating or review. So then you can work backwards from there and figure out, okay, well, maybe this is about how many are selling. Now we don't do public math here, but you know, the, the equation is number of reviews divided by the percentage. So if you want to be more conservative, 3%, if you want to be a little less conservative, 1%, uh, and maybe that's about how many are selling. So, but that's just an, an estimate. Okay. And then, uh, uh, it leads into, a, uh, it's more of a, almost a follow-up question, but, uh, why does the seller rank line disappear sometimes on the keep graph? Yeah. Good question. So, uh, like we, like we talked about just a minute ago, it could be that Amazon is not reporting the best seller rank. It, it does happen on occasion. Could be that Amazon's tried to block the data. It could be that Keepa 
just lost the data for, uh, you know, uh, here or there. So we've got to remember that Keepa, Keepa is really just a big database with a, a UI that we all get to see that, you know, looks like a, a nice little chart. Uh, but there have been times when data gets lost or corrupted and they have backups on backups. Uh, so it doesn't really happen as much to them, but this kind of thing is kind of the reason nobody uses camel, camel, camel anymore. That used to be a really popular tool. They had a huge loss of data, didn't have enough backups uh, in place, and they kind of never recovered after being down for several days. Um, some of the other reasons might be that uh, an item gets moved to a category that doesn't have a rank or, or something like that. That happens on occasion. It's not, not quite as frequent, uh, but those are kind of the major reasons that BSR lines will disappear. Okay. Um, so thinking about the timing of the year, um, you know, I know a lot of sellers are kind of moving uh, their emphasis towards merchant fulfilling now mm-hmm. um, as we've, uh, <coughs> excuse me, as we're, did we pass the, the deadline? By the time this gets published, we're probably going to pass the, the deadline, the recommended deadline to get stuff in for uh, uh, Christmas sales. But uh, a lot of sellers are, are moving towards uh, merchant fulfilled. So can you source for merchant fulfilled on Keepa? And, and if so, how do you do that? Sure. So, yeah, the so Amazon's recommended deadline this year, 2022, was December the 1st um, to have everything into FBA, which, I mean, if you send something in today, I would bet a lot of it would probably get checked in and be able to be sold before the Christmas rush. But... Uh, if you want to merchant fulfill and and things like that, one of the things that I do with Keepa is I like to go into the product finder and I like to look for items that are that are easy to merchant fulfill. So I like I like stuff that will fit first class. So that's under what thirteen ounces, I think. I always have to double check uh, so, before I go out and do it. Sixteen, it 16? ounces. Now. Sixteen ounces. Yeah. Under so 16. I like to look for things that are under sixteen ounces under certain dimensions. Um, uh, maybe look for items where, uh, there are no, uh, FBA sellers. You can do that right inside of the keep a product finder. So you could find items that have no FBA sellers at all, uh, and also are under 16 ounces and whatever the dimensions need to be to, to fit first class. Uh, I've also taken the interior dimensions of, uh, flat rate boxes and I've used those in the product finder so that I can find things that will fit inside of flat rate boxes. Uh, and then after that, it's really just looking at the keepograph to see if, uh, and looking at the listing to see if merchant fulfilled sellers are getting any share of the buy box. Um, you can check that in the data section on the keepograph. You can also just look at the buy box and you know see where it is. I also tell you one other thing I like is I actually like looking for suppressed buy boxes. Really easy to be, you know, the the lowest or the next to lowest seller on those as a merchant fulfilled seller, uh, and and be able to get those sales because I don't think as many people look for the prime seller in those cases. Um, and that's really about it, you know. Uh, I know a lot of people want to say, oh, well, I want to know for sure 
that I'm going to be able to sell this merchant fulfilled. There's not a way to, to know with like absolute certainty. Uh, we have to remember that the data that Keepa has is really, really good and it's the best we have, but you're also going to run into things like regional buy boxes. So for example, let's say that, let's say that Chris and I are selling the exact same thing. Uh, and he's looking at the listing from Ohio. I'm looking at the listing from Florida. Uh, and we're both, let's say, let's say Chris is FBA and he sent his stuff into, uh, the CMH warehouse down in Columbus. Let's say that I'm merchant fulfilled. Well, he, may, he very well may see himself in the buy box. And when I look, I very well may see myself in the buy box. And a lot of my orders may come from kind of my, my regional area. So Keepa cannot gather all of that data all the time. They can't, they can't say, oh, well, when Chris is looking at it, it's, you know, it's this person in the buy box. And, you know, when I'm looking at it, it's this other person in the buy box. So they have to give us data that's as good as they can get. Uh, and so sometimes you kind of have to read between the lines a little bit as well. Do you have uh, any ideas on, on what Keepa's default buy box would be in that circuit, in that situation? You know, I, I don't know for sure. It, I know that they're not going to tell us this right out, but I, I know that, uh, you know, the reason that they're able to scrape so much is because they use the, the Keepa extension to scrape data. So, uh, I, I don't know if they can accurately give us that information because if they've got 2 million people looking at, at Amazon listings that have the extension installed, uh, they're going to be getting data from all over the world. And so I don't know exactly how they filter that down to, to be usable for us. That's interesting. Um, all right. So uh, here's another uh Here's another one about rank. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, let's back up to the the rank again. Um, we had a question that that uh, that says, "What does it mean when there's no bestseller rank, mm -hmm. but there's movement of sellers?" Uh, and you touched on this earlier. Yeah. Um, is there another way to know if an item without a ranking is selling, other than reviews? And uh, should we stay away from those? Yeah, I I definitely don't think anyone should stay away from from items that are not ranked. Uh, and I actually, I saw, I saw someone post on Twitter and say, oh, well, I, I only stick to items that are ranked under 50,000 and, and I, I look for a 25% ROI. Uh, I'm fine with the 25% ROI. I think that saying something like, if it's not ranked lower than 50,000 in BSR, I'm out. I think that is poor advice. Um, there are I, there are so many items that are that have no rank, but have had consistent uh, reviews uh, with both recency and frequency, and we can we know that those items are selling. You do need to do a little bit of detective work and make sure that it's not they're not all international reviews, because if you see an item in the U.S. and all of the reviews come from the U.K., well maybe it's not selling here, maybe it's selling over in the U.K. and that's not really going to help you as a, as a U.S. Amazon seller. But typically, frequency and recency of reviews and movement in number of sellers, those are the best indicators we can have 
that something is moving even if there is no BSR line. I don't know of anything else uh, that will tell you for sure. And then what I always tell people is, you know, test five units and see if they sell uh, on those kind of listings. If they don't sell, worst case scenario, you pull them back and maybe you sell them on eBay or, or you know, a garage sale or whatever. Uh, but I, you know, until you are really, really confident in your skills, uh, I would never want you to, to risk a, a ton of capital on, on any listing, let alone a listing that doesn't have a bestseller rank. Yeah. And those are actually a, probably a healthy portion of, if I looked at my total population of replens, um, probably the longest lasting ones are those two categories, no rank and suppressed buy box, you know, and, and my theory is I think there's a whole bunch of sellers like that person on Twitter who just have these hard and fast rules across the board and that's it. And, you know, because, and you know, if they're tweeting it and they're saying that that's their, their criteria, you know, that there are a bunch of people who aren't tweeting but have similar rules on, on search parameters, you know, whether it be mm -hmm. tactical arbitrage or, you know, whatever method they're using, you know, you know that these people have these hard and fast rules. Um, and, you know, you can kind of, you can sneak by these people with some stuff. Uh, uh, I, I've got several that, you know, I mean, they're not huge money makers, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not lighting it on fire with this stuff, but you get enough of those and, and we're in a we're in an environment where I think the average lifespan of a replan overall is probably shorter than what we're used to. It's shorter than what I what I remember from when I started just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you can just have a nice little replan, even if it's just a you know ten a dozen a month or whatever, but you can do it month after month, you get enough of those collected, and and you know you've set a nice floor, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I, I would almost, and I don't, this would be a massive undertaking uh, of a study, but I would bet that you could, you could sidestep a bunch of, of sellers, especially newer sellers. And you could say, you know what, I'm going to stick to like, I'm going to stick to like home and kitchen, beauty and personal care, health and household, but everything is going to be ranked between, you know, maybe like an average 90 day rank, uh, between like 175 K and like, uh, I don't know, maybe 275K. And if you built out like a 1200 ASIN catalog uh, of stuff that just kind of moves slow, I bet you you could actually crush it. And you could probably do it with a, a fairly good margin uh, compared to everyone who like, it's got to be under 50K and it's got to make 25% ROI. Um, I get that those kind of hard and fast rules work for people who just want to get started. Uh, I actually think it creates a little bit more work because it's so rigid. Uh, but, you know, I, I get that people want certainty, but in business, in life, there uh, you just, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, the, the Lamborghinis don't, uh, they aren't above 50,000 rank. You know, that's, no, it's just not where it's at. No, not <laughs> at all. I, you know, I'll be honest. If I, if I'm doing a, a specific keep a search and the, there's too many listings, you know, if I, or if I want to trim down the search results, if I'm going to run it through TA or something like that, 
I'll often trim off the first 25,000 in rank. I mean, that's, yep. that's usually like I'll, my first method is, is to go um, see how many there are like per offer, you know, like I'll put in minimum of two offers and, and I'll, you know, I might run a search two offers to four offers or something like that, and then run five plus in another search. But a lot of times I'll just cut off the first 25,000 in rank. And, uh, you know, that gets me down to, a you know, a file that I'm comfortable with that I'm looking for, uh, you know, to run through TA or, or, you know, whether I'm going to search it manually. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, you know, I, I, I'm just not, uh, most of the time I'm not looking for that, that kind of speed, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I, you know, I'm looking more for the list that you talked about with, with low churn. And, and, you know, I want, I want ASINs to stick around for a while, even if I have to get three, uh, three to one, uh, because I'm looking at a higher sales rank, you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm much happier with consistency over velocity. Yeah. I would, you know, if I, if I could just, if I could just build a portfolio of products that can make me 50 bucks a month, I, I'm okay with that, you know, because then it's just a, then it's just a math problem, you know? All right, right. How many of these do I have to find? uh, you know, to build a, a solid, stable business. Um, you know, and honestly, I think that kind of business would be easier to, to hire. Like if I wanted to, if I wanted to step away and focus on something else, I think that kind of business would be easier to hand off to someone and say, okay, you know, here's what we do. Here's, you know, where we find everything. Uh, you're going to have to replace a couple ASINs every single month. Uh, you know, but it's not like you're going to have to, you're going to need to source eight hours a day, five days a week to find, uh, these ASINs that we can sell for 30 days. And then, you know, the, there's enough downward price pressure from other people finding them because everybody wants the things that sell fast. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. It's be easier to automate, easier to manage. Yeah. It's a, uh... Cause you think about it, you know, any, you know, lead list is going to pass it by, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're almost hidden in plain sight up there in the higher ranks. So yeah. That, that's underrated and, strategy, I think. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something that, that's fascinating though. Like, yeah, I like that strategy, but I know it's not the only one that's right. Uh, and I would, you know, I'm not, I, my ego's not big enough for me to try to say something like that either, but uh, I'm working on getting a, us a guest uh, and, he focuses on listings that, you know, sell like thousands of units a month and it's okay if it makes 25 or 50 cents. Uh, but he's like, I just, I churn money so fast. Uh, and I'm trying to get him on cause he's got an interesting story. I don't know how much more I can talk about before I, I get him to, uh, to agree to come on, but, uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation because his, his business is, 180 degrees from anything I want to build. Mm-hmm. So uh, that will be interesting. So, uh, so at the high velocity we're we're hitting around, uh, you know, lead list finding something and, and, you know, the opposite of what we were just talking about uh, would be products prone to price tanking. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, somebody wants to know, we had a question come in that says um, they want to know if there are red flags to look for in Keepa. Um, that, that might 
let us know that that we're on the verge of uh, uh, an adverse price action. Yeah. So there's a really good example of this recently uh, that I've, I think I've even seen people talk about on social media, uh, you know, here and there. But uh, it's Lego Christmas tree. Uh, and this was a lead that I think I I'll have to go back to my lead list. This was something I found early on before there were a bunch of sellers on the listing. I want to say I found it maybe at the end of September or very, very early October. Um, I wish I knew for sure. Uh, but this thing got up to like 600 or, you know, sellers or something on, on the listing. And we saw the price start coming down as, so the number of sellers increased, the price started uh, started coming down a little bit. Now, this particular Lego Christmas tree, it's got a massive demand. Uh, and so it didn't see quite the drop in price that you might expect uh, going from going from 23 sellers on October the 8th to... 540 sellers on November 15th. Okay. Uh, you would expect to see maybe a 40, 50% decrease in price because the number of sellers just skyrocketed over the, over the course of about a month. Uh, but because of the velocity and how much demand there is, it really only went down about 21% or so in price. So, one of the biggest leading indicators, in my opinion, is seeing the number of sellers or the supply increase without a uh, without an equal increase in the demand or the bestseller rank going closer to one. Uh, because supply and demand try to be in parity, and when they're not in parity, something has to happen. And usually that's price action coming down. Uh, so that's probably the biggest indicator that prices will fall is just that the supply goes up faster than the demand. Interesting. Now, is the is the opposite true? Uh, if you see the sellers dropping off, is there an indication that uh, a price is about to go back up? Well, I mean, typically, because the supply and demand curve has an inverse relationship uh, to price, uh, yeah, that's typically what happens. So for example, let's come back to this Christmas tree. If we look at the Christmas tree right now, uh, there's somewhere around like 250 sellers or something like that. It's, it's cut in half and the price was at a low of, it was a low of about $50 on this particular Christmas tree. Let's back up into the 72, $73 range. So we can see the, and, and the demand has stayed about the same. Maybe gotten a little bit more because we're getting a little closer to Christmas, uh, but we're seeing that the demand is not really getting, it's not getting worse, that's for certain. It's staying about the same. Number of sellers or the supply is going down, and so I mean, just the laws of economic state that the price will start to recover a little bit. So, you know, as long as you realize that that supply demand curve is kind of in has an inverse relationship to the price. Uh, you can pretty much figure out what's going to happen to prices on just about any product. Nice. Can you now, and can you set up searches in Kifa 
looking for that scenario? Can you search for sellers declining, rank rank remaining the same? How would you how would you navigate that in the Keepa search? Yeah, so I need to go and double check the product finder, but you can you can set it uh, in a you know in the Keepa product finder where the number of sellers is trending down. Um, you know what? I'm going to pull it up here real quick and and we can chat a little bit, but. Um, yeah, in the product finder, there's definitely a way. Pull it up here. Because that could be, uh, you know, it, it, I think Amazon sellers love to, to speculate, you know, like what's the hot toy going to be or what's the what's the hot Valentine's Day candy and, and you know, how are jelly beans going to be? this year and stuff so oh yeah it seems it seems like that could be a, a fun search you know some some pretty safe gambles uh could be made on that absolutely so one thing you can do in the keep a product finder is the new offer count uh the new offer count you can see how many uh, current offers there are on listings what the 30-day average offers are on listing or number of offers are the 90 the 180 day uh, and then you also can can look by the 90 day drop percentage. So one thing you could do on a listing is I could say, okay, well, I'd really like to look for items where uh, maybe the maybe the 180 day and the 90 day average number of sellers is higher. Maybe let's say 50 to 100, but the 30 day average number of, of new offer counts. Uh, has gone down. Let's say it's between, I don't know, 20 and 30. Well, that would bring you back items where the average number of offer of new offers on a listing has started trending down. You can also search by a 90 day drop. So if you wanted to see the number, let's say you wanted to see items where the number of offers has come down anywhere between 15 and 30% over the past 90 days, you could also search for that. Uh, and that would that would show you items where the number of offers is trending down over the last 90 days as well. Uh, interesting. That's good stuff. Hey guys, wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening to the Clear the Shelf podcast. My magnanimous co-host Chris Rasick has put together a gift for you for being a listener. It's called the Monthly Goal Tracking Spreadsheet and it's free. The spreadsheet will help you break down and track how much you've purchased, which should be a leading indicator of how much you will sell. And then you'll be able to track how much you've sold as well as your estimated monthly profit on a daily basis. This will all feed into the daily averages so you can ensure that you're on track to meet your goals each and every month. Grab it for free today over at cleartheshelf.com forward slash goal dash tracking. Thanks again for being a listener. Now back to the show. Pending, we were talking about pending price tanking. Um, here's another uh, scary pending uh, thing that might happen. Um, is there a way to figure out if or when Amazon may come back on a listing or come back in stock? I wish that I could give a good answer to this one, but there's no way to know that I'm aware of. If anybody figures it out, don't tell anybody because you just found a printing press uh, of being able to <laughs> to figure out how long Amazon's going to be, you know, out of stock on particular products, and you could, you know, just sell as much as you can while while they're out of stock. Uh, 
I mean, other than them, other than Amazon continuing to hold on to the buy box after they're out of stock and, you know, not showing other sellers in its place, I've never seen a way inside of Keepa or, or anything else to indicate that Amazon's about to come back in stock. I guess the, the only thing that you might be able to use as an indicator is you might see Amazon was in stock for a really long time. Let's say they're in stock for six months straight. And then maybe there's an out of stock period, but you can see Amazon popping in and out of stock on a fairly regular basis. That could be them like getting some small shipments of stock in and you expect them to get a big one eventually. Uh, but even that's not, that's not a silver bullet because there will be times when, you know, it could just be lost inventory. It could be, uh, you know, something they found hiding in a broom closet somewhere. Uh, there's no way to know for sure. Or, uh, returns still in good condition. Yeah. Returns yeah, in, right? you know, in good, absolutely. I did. I, I think I might've found, um, a, a shaky way of, of estimating. Um, I did mm -hmm. find a product. I, I mean, it's a certain scenario only, but <clears throat> I found a product that uh, was sold. Amazon sold it. Target sold it. And, and a couple other retailers. And, um, and they all sold it at the same price, right? So it, it, I'm assuming that was MSRP. But Amazon had gone out of stock. Target was still in stock. Right, so the Amazon listing had gone up. It, it sells for ninety nine dollars uh, normally when Amazon and at Target. Uh, Amazon went out of stock, so it went up to about one hundred and fifty bucks with no Amazon inventory. So it was still at Target for ninety nine dollars. Had a little bit of profit. It's kind of big, so um, the return wasn't great, but you know, it's double digit profit, so it's it's worth looking at in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I did a, a Google search. Because uh, I'm banned on Target. So anything I find at Target, I have to find somewhere else. So I was looking at other stores. And and I've had, I, and I, I remembered a similar scenario. So I found it from the company itself, right? But it, but it, did, it wasn't like a full-blown e-commerce site, you know? But, mm -hmm. but they did have it on there. And they actually said they were out of stock, um, but they gave an estimate on how long the back order was going to last interesting so they said it should ship mid-december right so i'm wondering you know if, if i'm gonna i'm gonna keep an eye on it and, and see if maybe if amazon comes in stock mid to late december chances are it it, it may mirror that that back order yeah so and, and i'm just so i'm just wondering if if maybe checking other retailers that also sell it and and you know maybe Maybe the, the stores that give you a little bit more information on how long they estimate the back order to last might be some sort of indication on, you know, the, the big wholesale shipment in general. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think it's a fair assessment. All right. I'll, uh, I'll keep tabs on it and, uh, maybe we'll keep you, I'll keep you updated. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to see what, so, what happens um, on that one. Next question is, uh, when might it be best to get on a listing with Amazon or at what percentage of them sharing the buy box? Is it a good idea to hop on a listing with Amazon? This is a good question and kind of a tough one to answer. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to go back to 
we have to remember that Keepa data is not going to be 100% accurate. So let's say, for example, that we see a listing uh, and it says that Amazon gets the buy box 100% of the time. That may not be quite accurate. They might get the buy box 98% of the time uh, and, you know, uh, other sellers get a sale here or there. Uh, it's, there's just no way to know for sure. So personally, what I like to see is I do like to see Keepa showing that there is, you know, a, a good percentage of sales going to other sellers. Uh, I really, so I don't, I don't hop on listings with Amazon very often. All right. There, in my opinion, out of the, what, six, I don't know, 400, 500 million ASINs on Amazon, there's so many out there that Amazon is not on uh, that I typically don't compete with Amazon. But I know a lot of folks who do, and they just, they'll go on whatever Amazon's on. They don't care. Uh, some of the things that I will hop on are like Amazon Fresh listings uh, because what you'll notice or what I will notice, I have Amazon Fresh available to me because I live in a large metropolitan area. I live in Orlando or outside of Orlando. Uh, so I can get just about anything delivered in two days or Amazon fresh, you know, same day. Uh, but what you'll notice is on Amazon fresh listings, there are always sellers at a much higher price and they get most of the sales because Amazon fresh is only available in usually larger Metro areas where there's a whole foods nearby, stuff like that. All the other folks are ordering from the sellers who are four or five times the price. So those ones I'm, I'm all for. Uh, the other ones I like personally is, are going to be the ones where third-party sellers are consistently cheaper than Amazon. Uh, these listings I don't find quite as often, but there are listings out there where Amazon's consistently at $50, third-party sellers are consistently at $47, and you can see that third-party sellers are getting uh, the majority of the buy box. Uh, other than that, I like to sell in between Amazon on occasion. Uh, you can't see them, but I've got some. Every time I do like a Funko Pop uh, Amazon to Amazon flip, I tend to keep one. Uh, and they, they kind of get put at the top of the bookshelf. And so uh, I like those when Amazon goes in and out of stock. But... If I see that Amazon sharing the buy box, I don't know, maybe 10, 15% of the time, and the number of third-party sellers is moving up and down, I might give something a try. Uh, but when I do it, I'm going to, one, it's going to be a really small test, like three to five units, depending on what my cost of goods is going to be. Uh, and I'm going to see how quickly I'm going to sell through it. If it's something that sells, you know, 10,000 units a month and and you can get you know half a percent of the sales, not going to be a problem at all. But if it's something that sells you know ten thousand units a month and you can only you know get one off here and there, you're going to have a bit of a problem. So my suggestion is is always test really small on those listings, see how they how they work out for you, and then you know go bigger over time and kind of as you get a feel for it yourself. Because I, it still makes me nervous as I'll get out to, to hop on a listing with Amazon. You just never know when they're they're going to be like, all right, time to tank the price on this and never bring it back up. 
and then I'm, I've got to either do the same thing or just get rid of the, the inventory. Yeah. Or they just come into stock at the same, same cost that, you know, you bought it. Yeah. And they just, when, when you sourced it, they weren't anywhere to be around. And, and, uh, guys, kind of like my, my Royal Canaan, uh, animal food, uh, listings. They got a yep. big old shipment. <laughs> they, have, they have not run out for a long, long yeah. time. I, uh, I think, I think that company painful. figured out, figured out their supply chain issues finally. And that's probably the, the <laughs> right. issue there. Uh, right. You know, see, that's, that's something, that's one of the other reasons I don't necessarily compete with Amazon is they don't have to play the game like we do. Now I have been a proponent in the past of not necessarily, uh, and I know we've both talked about this. You shouldn't necessarily only look at the ROI of one particular ASIN. You should look at like your, you know, the averages and stuff like that. And that's what Amazon does. They're happy to take a loss on certain things because they know they'll make up for it on other items. You know, they're going to make up for it on, on, on Alexa that you buy uh, because you bought, right. you know, I don't know, you bought Rich Crackers uh, and it cost them five cents, you know. Uh, so, but we don't have we don't have the pleasure of being able to do that, uh, you know, on such a long timeline as Amazon does, or we'll end up being out of business. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's probably a big reason, uh, for, for their growth over, you know, the recent years. I mean, how many years I, you know, everybody's jumping on them now for how little in taxes that they paid, uh, on the revenue numbers that they're reporting now. But, you know, people forget that that years ago they were taking massive losses. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, I'm not uh, not providing any advice. I'm not an accountant. Um, I got to count on my fingers sometimes. So uh, take this with a grain of salt. But uh, you know, they're able to roll those losses into future years. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a bit of a tax strategy that they use. Yeah. Um, so we got up in arms. You know, when when we saw these recent numbers, but. Uh, uh, I didn't see anybody raising the point that that they took massive, massive losses uh, uh, to get to that point. So yeah, for like a decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a long yeah. time before they were ever profitable. And the and the stock price didn't care. <laughs> just the shareholders, just like all right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They 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 saw what they needed to see uh, uh, elsewhere in the uh, disclosures. So yeah. Um. All right. So so sales data. Um. We had talked about that. The offers section. Um, mm -hmm. I love this section. It, is the number of sales accurate in the offers section on, on Keepa Data? <laughs> uh, I think it's as accurate as it can possibly be. But no, I, I don't. I don't think that it's accurate. And even I think Keepa even says something about it somewhere. I, I know I've read uh, maybe Keepa's disclaimer about this. But you know, there's there's a couple of things you've you got to think about uh, when you're looking at the offer section in the the data portion of Keepa. Uh, one, you've got to think about restocks, which you know Keepa does try to keep track of that. If you were, if Keepa is tracking a listing that you're on, uh, and they're pulling how many units you have in stock, uh, and let's say that you have two units in stock today, but five more get checked in tomorrow, well, Keepa is going to try to grab that information. Uh, but if one unit sells while the other five check in and it shows that you have 
uh, six in stock rather than the seven, Keepa may not grab that quite right, okay? Uh, there could be inventory that gets checked in and counted for you that then gets lost in an FC transfer. Uh, and Keepa can't, you know, they don't have access to that kind of data from your seller central. So they can't really, uh, you know, they can't figure that out and, and make that part of their, uh, their data. Uh, and then there are people who limit the number of units that are shown and Keepa doesn't have a way around that. You'll notice that if it says three units available, uh, keep a, that out there should be like, okay, well, three units are available, even though you might know someone like Fortress Brands, for example, may have 3,600 in stock, but you can only buy three at a time. Uh, and they can't, you know, they can't get past that wall currently. Uh, and they don't try too hard. There are other softwares that will try to break through that, that stock limit. Uh, you know, but Keepa only pushes the envelope so far. So uh, I like what they're trying to do with the number of units sold, uh, but it's, it's not accurate. It's as accurate as they can possibly be, but I don't think it's anywhere near actually being accurate. All right. Sorry, Ed. I had to mute myself when you mentioned Fortress brand. Um, <laughs> sorry about that, but yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm back on now. My, my friends over there. Um, so here's, uh, <laughs> I, I would probably like a whole episode on variations, uh, in relation to Keepa. Um, for a long time, I, I stayed away from, I, I hate variations. Uh, I do too. And still. I'm only, do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Cause I'm only now just like starting to, you know, open my eyes to them. I, you know, I, I, I shut them down. Uh, and I, I certainly, one thing I cannot do is teach anything about variations to my VAs because <laughs> they, if they, if there's a variation listing, it will be one of the bottom two variations of the, the slowest selling variations. And, yep. and no matter what I do, no matter, uh, countless loom videos have just been a, a waste of time. So, uh, but I blame that on me because I, uh, I don't know. So, but uh, what I want to know is on a listing with variations, um, are the keep a drops for the individual variation or is it the whole listing? How do you, how do you figure out drops on one very, one particular variation? Sure. So, so keep a drops uh, is going to be the number of times that keep records a statistical significant drop in sales rank. That's basically what it is. Uh, so what causes the sales rank to drop enough to be counted as a keep a drop, which as a reminder to everybody listening, keep a drops do not equal the number of sales. Okay. Um, every sale on a listing with variations, uh, counts toward the parent ASINs sales rank. Uh, so a keep a drop for a listing with variations is going to count all of the, all of the sales that happen on a particular listing, whether it's the least popular shoe or the most popular shoe or color or whatever it is on a variation. Uh, everything rolls up to the parent ASIN. 
every sale, every review, everything rolls up to the parent ASIN. Uh, let's see, I'll make sure I got, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it would, it would all count, uh, every single sale and use sales, you know, uh, refurbished sales, warehouse sales, all of those would roll up to that parent ASIN BSR, uh, which would end up resulting in a keep a drop if it's enough sales to cause a drop big enough for Keepa to record a drop in sales rank. Did that make sense? That's kind of a hard one to explain. Yeah, but it, it, I have a follow-up question though. Then it, 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 there has to be some, is there some way that Keepa does count the drops per variation? Cause I, I swear I see different numbers at the bottom of, of a Kiva graph when I'm on a listing and I'll click through to different ones. It, 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 are they, are they keep a track somewhere? Uh, so not that I'm aware of, and I I'll, may have to look into this a little bit more, but, uh, so, so here's what can happen sometimes. Sometimes a, a child variation will have a little bit of a different sales rank than the parent. I don't know exactly why that happens. It's not supposed to. Everything is supposed to roll up. Uh, perhaps it is because something has been rejoined to its parent and maybe it was orphaned before. And so things are a little bit different or maybe uh, it was orphaned, you know, three years ago and it was rejoined. And, uh, and so things are a little bit wonky. Uh, so, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know that, you know, in the actual, in a variation listing, we can go and look at reviews and ratings of every single listing and those drops and, and ratings are, are counted individually. But the way that I understand it, the Keepa drops are for the parent ASIN only, but I'll reserve the right to be wrong. And I'll go do a little bit dig, uh, more digging on it to be sure. And then uh, I did actually have a question. You 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 mentioned used, so you said even used sales contribute to the total drops as they roll up to the parent. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. So anytime, so anytime there is a sale, period, it will affect the sales rank. And when the sales rank is affected, that can roll into a keep a drop because that, that's a measurement of how many times on average the sales rank drops over the course of 30 or 90 days. Uh, everything that sells on Amazon counts as a sale, which go, which affects the, the BSR, which will affect the drops. Now, the reason that I, I know this for sure is I bought a, um, I bought a used book the other day. Um, I set myself a Keepa alert, got this book that's normally like 250 bucks for 65 uh, and pulled the trigger immediately. Uh, when I, yeah, yeah, that was a good deal. So when I went back, uh, and took a look, I saw that the sales rank had dipped and the other seller, the, the sellers who were on for a higher price, they were all still there. So it was my used purchase that affected the sales rank drop. 
Uh, and I've, I've seen this with books that I've sold in the past and, uh, and things like that as well. You know, I would have a used book that was ranked a million, but I know it sells like, you know, once a month. And so you would see that sales rank drop as soon as there was a used sale. Uh, and that goes across every category, any used products, any warehouse deals, any, you know, collectible sales that all counts toward the sales rank of a product. And, and then we'll roll into the keep a drops as well. Uh, a question on the, the book purchase. Mm -hmm. um, did your wife lift the moratorium on you, be you being allowed to buy books or did you do it behind her back? Oh, no, that was totally behind her back. I did tell her okay. afterwards. Uh, I, I, uh, I am someone who believes in asking for forgiveness rather than permission. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I knew this was going to be, you know, this would be something that shows up and is found or she's going to be like, She's going to be scrolling through the Amazon. She's like, you spent $65 on a book. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, and I'm like, no, nah, I saved the deal, this money. honey. The deal. Because yeah. <laughs> it was two fifty. So Right. I mean, you, you get you get a certain percentage of a discount. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you're, there's built-in forgiveness at that point if you can get a exactly. deal. Exactly. I, and, right. you know, I this is not marriage advice to anybody listening. You know, <laughs> but sometimes... Uh, you just kind of got to keep score of some purchases. So I, I may have a purchase or two that I kind of hold in the back pocket. I'm like, yeah, but look at what you bought. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I would never, I would never shame my wife for a, for a purchase she made. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, that goes across the board. Please don't ever do anything. Don't take any advice. If I ever give a story about my wife, uh, or, uh, my interactions with her, please do not assume that is good advice. Exactly. Now, this the book that I bought is actually something I think you you would be interested in. Um, uh, it's uh, it's called This Is Earl Nightingale. It's it's one of his older older uh, self help books. Uh, and every time, um, shoot, what is his name? Sam Parr's best friend. Uh, oh, uh, Neville. Yes, Neville. Uh, Neville makes a you know, Neville says it's one of the books that had the most impact on his life. Every time he tweets about it or, or does a reel on Instagram or something, uh, the price shoots up. It wasn't like four fifty, uh, and then you know it averages like two fifty normally. And so I went looking at Keepa and I saw oh well every now and again it comes in for like you know ninety dollars. So I set an alert for ninety bucks. That was what I was willing to spend. Sure enough. Uh, I think thrift books came on the listing for 65 and I had to snag it before anybody else did. Nice. Yeah. The Kipa, Kipa would be worth a monthly price alone just for Kipa alerts for personal shopping habits. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I think my, my dogs are like throwing up in the background. I'm sorry if you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's, uh, that's about all I got. I mean, that, and that's just uh, scratching the surface uh, of what Keep has to offer. But uh, yeah, I appreciate the clarification. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much, so much on Keepa. It really is is one of my favorite tools, and I think I think the backbone of any real Amazon business. I you might be able to get away with uh, without it if you're doing 
private label, but I could I could even see some some opportunities there as well. Um, so I I will offer a shameless plug if you want to go check out uh, Keepa Academy. I put uh, as much as I know about Keepa uh, into that, other than some API things. I thought that was probably a little outside the scope, uh, but <clears throat> um, just a, a ton of information in Keepa Academy on that. And there'll be a link down below the the show on on this one. Uh, but before we wrap it up, I do want to uh, I want to I want to say thanks to the audience because uh, I believe that you hit your uh, your Movember goal. Is that correct? Crushed it. Nice. Absolutely crushed it. I, I this was I tell you what I, I this made me so happy. Uh, I uh, my so the grand total. I mean it, it, donations can still. There's a couple couple days uh, before they they shut down the donation window but at last count i was uh, i had raised one thousand six hundred and ninety dollars that's awesome uh, for november yeah it it truly is and like the <laughs> to put it into perspective um it was it, this was my 10th year participating uh that was more than i think the first seven years combined that i raised incredible uh <laughs> Yeah, and my personal record uh, was two years ago. I, I think I raised uh, in just over six hundred bucks. Raised exactly six hundred last year, and then ramped it all the way up to sixteen ninety uh, this year. So I was I was so pumped. Uh, I got to, I'm in the uh, I'm in a platinum club, uh, which I don't know what that is, but uh, and, and and they they know me so well. They uh, oh, where did it go? Here it is. For the for the YouTube subscribers, they sent me uh, a flat brimmed Movember hat. Does it fit? Uh, well, it's 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 adjustable. So okay, yeah, even right. even my enormous melon uh, could get it in there. Um, I uh, have no business wearing a flat brimmed hat, by the way, uh, for for the the audio uh, people. Um, <laughs> but but no yeah but uh, yeah crush the goal uh huge thank you to you um your generosity um and and uh is uh was very touching uh i can't tell you how much i appreciate that um and then uh bringing the attention to it on on this pod um that was also a a, a very pleasant surprise i i really do appreciate it um yeah and it, it, you know if, if you if you donated uh, you're in the audience and you donated uh, to me. Thank you. If you donated to somebody else, hopefully there's other people that you know uh, that, that participated. Um, thank you for your donations. Uh, and, and even if you didn't donate, you know, if you're one of the people that reached out and, and you know, acknowledged the fact uh, uh, that I was uh, growing something that looks very, very stupid on my face, um, <laughs> but for a good cause. Uh, it, you know, if you reached out, cheer me on. Uh, you know, that, that did just as well. Um, I, you know, I really do appreciate those. It's, uh, I, it's something very near and dear to my heart because it's, it's such a good cause and, and they, they do so much with the money. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'm still pumped up about it. I, I shaved it off as fast as possible for, uh, you know, the audio, <laughs> the audio version of our audience. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't do it cause it looks good. That, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah. Th well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, it's a great cause. Uh, so I was happy to support it. And I, I want to appreciate everybody who, who did donate. I, I, 
I went through some of them. I didn't go like doing homework on a bunch of them, but I did, you know, I start seeing people that, you know, names I recognized, uh, who donated. And so, uh, it's absolutely appreciated. I was, I was happy to, uh, cut the proverbial check once you hit that thousand dollar <laughs> mark. So, um, awesome. Um, yeah. we've also, we've got some cool things coming up, uh, in my opinion. So we're going to, we've got a couple more episodes before the, the year is going to be out. Uh, one of them is going to be a Festivus episode, uh, Festivus yes. for the rest of us. And I, we're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to probably break away a little bit from the usual, uh, trying to bring you some value and hopefully just bring you some belly laughs, um, you know, and, uh, and maybe some, some things that, uh, we can complain about, uh, with Amazon during the airing of grievances. Uh, so make sure to keep oh. tuning in, uh, cause we, we some... may set a new record for, for <laughs> la- I mean, we've had some long episodes, but, uh, the airing of grievances. once you factor that in, I, uh, we may break some records. Right. So I think we've got some fun stuff coming up and, and listen, we'd always, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to get your feedback. We'd love to get your ideas. We want to bring you guys, uh, you know, along for the journey as we, we grow this podcast in 2023, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we're hitting on the topics that are important to you. So please make sure to shoot me an email, slide into the DMS as long as, uh, long as you're not sending me feet pictures or anything. Uh, and I'd love to hear about what, uh, what would be most helpful to you guys, uh, going into the next year, uh, to make this, uh, podcast as valuable as possible. Uh, for you, and uh, and we'll try to you know continue to uh, to make you laugh here and there as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a wrap for this episode, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. All right, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure to hit the uh, hit the like and subscribe button wherever wherever you might be uh, listening to us at. It uh, certainly helps us out a little bit. Share this with your friends in a in a Facebook group or on social media. Uh, and help us get the word out uh, because it brings us uh, and we see the numbers go up and to the right and, and it makes us want to come back and uh, work a little harder on the not not a lot but a little harder on this every week so thanks so much for listening guys and uh, we will see you next week thanks for listening to clear the shelf with chris and chris if you enjoyed this episode please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.